Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Wednesday Night Live. My name is Ron Crawford. I am the pastor of the Father's Church in Dallas, and it's a blessing to be able to greet you from a very wintry Dallas, Texas today. I came in earlier this morning, and um, it was raining, and it was uh, just 39 degrees, and yesterday morning when I came in, it was raining, and it was 36 degrees, and I was thinking that maybe my, my, my boyhood uh, time when I grew up in Pennsylvania, uh, what I would think would be, okay, at 36 degrees, if it, if it crests, crests down a few more, we're going to have snow here. And, um, but I knew that for, for Dallas, if we were going to have any possibility of snow, they'd have started talking about it in July. As snow is a big deal here. I mean, it's almost, it's, it, it's almost synonymous with the Cowboys winning the Super Bowl, uh, Jesus coming back, or any kind of news about COVID. Or it's probably more, it's probably more of, a, of a novelty than COVID. I mean, if there's any possibility of snow, you hear about it. Uh, long, long, long before. And so, but I, I forgot that I was living here and I thought, well, I didn't check the weather to see if it's going to keep raining. We're going to get several inches of snow with this kind of downfall. So, greetings from my wintry Dallas, Texas. No snow, lots of rain and cold. But I'm up here in the uh, broadcast booth. I have my our little white radiator heater going and we have that up here because it doesn't make any noise it's it's quiet uh, as opposed to other types of small heaters that you can hear the fan going even the Dyson the Dyson fans you can hear them um, but that's that's the weather report for today we trust that you're doing well we look forward to uh, what God has in store for us. Excuse me. That's the one challenge with coming, coming from the sanctuary where it's nice and cold up into uh, this booth where you've got this artificial heat cranking up. You, know, you, have to, you have to deal with nasal issues and every now and then I may say excuse me and blow my nose because of that. Well, that's TMI, definitely. Too much information. But today, we're very happy to be able to reach out and connect with not only my church here in Dallas, but to all of our saints family who are gathered together from so many different places around the world. We welcome you. We're thankful for you. And we bless you. Now, this is a, this is a different kind of a time more so than any that I can remember. I'm sure you can agree to that as well. We not only have an election here in the United States that will be happening in less than a week, and other than the, uh, the great Bush-Gore presidential contest where you had the famous Florida chads. There's so many uh, mail-in ballots that are out there, and uh, they're saying that we may not be able to call the presidential race until many days after. What I don't understand is why, you know, if the IRS tells you, you got to have this in by this date, it's got to be postmarked by this date. Why in the world somebody in their right thinking didn't say, if you want to vote um, with a mail-in ballot, unless you're going to take it and deposit it in a specified ballot box, you got to have that thing postmarked by this date or it's not working. Why they thought, well, yeah, we can let them vote by mail up to the, the day of the election. That's just nonsense. And again, it's just government not using their, their head, probably for a reason, but nevertheless, there it is. So 
by next week at this time, we may or may not know who the, the next president of the United States is. Now, prophetically, some of you undoubtedly already know. But from an official coming out of all the media outlets, even those who lie most of the time, uh, we won't know probably next Wednesday, unless there's a landslide. Who knows? The other thing about these times has to do with what the enemy is trying to do and really what the timetable of the Lord is allowing both from righteousness, from a righteousness standpoint to an unrighteousness standpoint. And that's really what we want to focus on today without really getting political. We want to look at dynamics in the spirit realm and what the word of the Lord has to say about it. Does that sound okay to everybody? I, I hope so, because that's what we're going to do anyway. So I invite you to turn in your Bible with me to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 2. This past Sunday, I spoke about the goodness of the Lord, the tobe of God, the the uh, visitation of the tobe that God wants to make known in our lives. This is really true. You know, I, st I talked on Sunday about what God initially told us about the tobe, and that was that it really personified the good purposes of God and what all he wants to do. Uh, the, the wonder of Tob is that throughout the book of Genesis, it's in an adjective form, <clears throat> which would indicate that we, uh, we're in a pathway. We're in a partnership with God. It's an active development. It's not simply a a big pillar that says tobe on it. It's the Hebrew word tobe. Forgive me if you've never heard that. I'm not using strange words. That's all through the Bible. And if you just look at, you know, the Hebrew, you'll see it. You'll see it. It's everywhere. But tobe was never intended to just be a, a law. It was intended to be a spiritual factor wherein we walk with God and we establish what he is what he is wanting and we enjoy his blessing so that's 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 what god is releasing to us in these days and again i i proclaim that over you this to me is not simply a theoretical or a a dry teaching where i take promises from the scripture and just Blast them up there. Blow the trumpet. Come and get it. Here we are. We are entering in, and we're already in, a timetable where God is pouring out his tobe. He's, he's been aligning us with his purpose in unusual ways in this year, both uh, in, a, in a personal, integral way, but in other facets of our life. And... I've experienced that. I know that many others are. But it, it's really an attachment of the tobe, the active tobe of God. And there, there's a reason for that. See, so many Christians just perceive partnering with God as his blessing that comes and dumps down on you all the time. But walking with God... Is, is a partnership, and you, you walk in his timing. You walk to everything there's a season. Turn, turn, turn. To everything there's a season, and the, the, the wonderful tribe of Issachar knew the times and the seasons, and they were able to advise Israel as to what they should do. It's not just a carte blanche where 
we can do whatever we want to do. And even though God is constant and he never changes, and that is true, one of the things that does not change is the seasons of God. In life, we understand seasons. You know, as a grandfather now, I reflect back on so many ways that I was blessed to walk through different scenarios that were ordered by God. I've seen the development of my life and my home, and I've watched myself and my children change. I've watched the way Debbie relates to life and to her to her mother and to her children and the grandchildren. And it was the same person, but we change with what God brings in the seasons. But when it comes to the spirit realm, so many Christians are just oblivious to this. And the key thing for us is to recognize when God says, okay, I'm going to do this now. And you don't need to run to this gathering or that gathering to hear what the latest prophetic word is even though I bless that. God wants us to be able to hear his voice and to recognize what he's doing, his times, his seasons. And this is the way it is. You have, and you have indications of that in so many of the other principles of the Lord, like according to the scripture, the logos, the eternal word of God, and the rhema, where God touches something in that word that's eternal and says, okay, I am, I am particularly igniting this right now for you and for this season. It's the same word of God, but when God puts a rhema anointing on it, then there's something, there's an efficacy, there's an application that is heightened. We, we study about the chronos of God, his, his overall timetable, but then there's a kairos of that. It's the same time, but God's doing a new thing, and we, we enter into a kairos moment, and we say, this is what we need to do right now. We have this in agriculture. You know, I love to buy a mango for my granddaughters so that they can eat it on Sundays. Their daddy trained them to love mango. But I recognize that even though you can buy it at the store, it's very often for months and months not really ripe. It's a hard. But then you get into a season where mango is, is just meant to be eaten wherever they're importing it from, and it is delectable. I remember being in in uh, Benin with Pastor Paul and we loved to eat that mango that was um, that was grown there and it was just fresh and it was ripe and it tasted like cobbler when you ate it. Oh my goodness it was great. But I know what it's like to bite into mango when it's when it's when it's ripe, but it's really not its season. Ugh, it's it's not enjoyable. <laughs> it's just not. But the Lord puts us in scenarios where he, he according to what he knows is coming and what he knows in the law of harvest and what he knows according to his eternal timetable, to recognize those moments that he says, okay, now I'm highlighting this. And to take it in is essential. It just is. And so God has been speaking over the past week about the Tob and that partnership with his eternal purpose. But throughout the Old Testament, Tob really spoke of the blessing of God, it spoke of the favor of God, it spoke of the goodness of God, but you cannot separate that from the eternal purpose, which is the essence of what Tob is. So, for this season, at the table that God has put in the presence of his enemies, 
there is a Tobe blessing for everybody. And we need to be declaring it over our lives. We need to be saying, yes, Lord, I believe the word that's apostolically come, the prophetic word about this. And so I am declaring it over my life. I'm declaring it over my family. I'm declaring it over my business. I'm declaring it over my body. The tobe of the Lord. What a wonderful thing that is. Now, when you talk about tobe, it's difficult to not recognize that the antithesis of tobe is a Hebrew word is translated as evil. It's raw. And in, uh, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 9, see, I think some of you forgot that I said to go there. I did not. The Bible says, Out of the ground made the Lord God, Yahweh Elohim, to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight, good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This is, this is very interesting because you have the tree of life and then you have one tree that is Tob and Ra. Now, I, I don't believe God created the tree this way. I, I, think, I think this is a result of something that the enemy did during the rebellion that obviously had happened prior to this part of Genesis. And I think it's pretty clear that the enemy said, I will be like the Most High, and he recruited a, a group of other principalities and a good number of angels, and they rebelled against God. They didn't just rebel. They thought that their, their created giftings and the anointings from God, their expertise, their skill levels, through serving God over the who knows how long, uh, and to be able to utilize different capacities that God put into creation, I think that the enemy said, well, you know, I want to be like God, but I really detest what he, uh, what he created. And the main thing was that Jesus said that the enemy hated the plan for man. He was a murderer or a man killer literally from the very beginning the enemy as soon as he heard about what god's intent was in creating you and me the enemy allowed that to become a point of of uh, dispute within himself and he rebelled and that became an iniquity a twisted purpose now I suspect that the enemy took this capacity of the tree of life and tried to use it in a negative way. Um, you know, you study about what the tree of life is in the scripture. I'm just going to list these and when you don't don't worry if I'm going too fast. Remember, you can archive. You can pick this up on archive. You can even listen on um, um, some of the uh, the other download capacities, and you can change the speed on them. Some of you listen to them real fast, but if you want to write these down, you could just study the tree of life. God said in Genesis two that if if uh, you partake of the tree of life, you can live forever. 324, the cherubs keep the way of it. Proverbs 318, wisdom is the tree of life. Proverbs 1130, the fruit of righteousness is the tree of life. In Proverbs 1312, it says about hope being deferred and it makes the heart sick or worn. But when the desire is manifest, it is the tree of life. It is the fulfillment of the tree of life. Proverbs 15.4, the wholesome tongue is a tree of life. In Revelation 2.7, our Lord said to John, to him that overcomes, you can eat of the tree of life. 
Proverbs, uh, Revelation 22.2, the tree of life, the, the leaves of it, is for the healing of nations. In Revelation 22.14, if you do his commandments, God's commandments, you have a right to the tree of life. This is what the tree of life is ordained to do. And there are trees of life, the fruits thereof, every month. It's strengthening for the saints. It's healing for the nations. We're, we're about to enter into uh, a dynamic manifestation of this tree and the product of the tree. Some people say, oh, that's for eternity. Well, let me ask you something, smart ones. In the a thousand, two thousand years from now, why in the world would nations need to be healed? Five thousand years from now, why in the Lord, in the world would a nation need to be healed? Who says that there will be nations on the earth at that point? We should all be one before God. So, if you're looking for the leaves of the tree to be a healing for the nations, I would suspect that it's when there are nations that need to be healed. Wouldn't that make sense to you? And so, you see this command of God to Adam and then to Eve. Okay, there's a tree of life and there's all kinds of other trees in this garden. Freely enjoy them. Freely enjoy this partnership with me. Freely enjoy the, the goodness of my creation because it is all Tobe. But this one tree I left there so that you could observe it and know what rebellion looks like. It's the tree of Tobe and the tree of Ra. Now I mentioned the other day that if you look at how this word raw gained its root, it's quite instructive. And I mentioned it and I said, you know, you study this from yourself, but some people, they start studying and if they can't find exactly what I said, they think that I'm making stuff up. I've dealt with that all the years that <laughs> I've been here. So I thought, okay, I'm going to get a very simple expository dictionary. That's, to me, a really good one. And it's just a step up from Strong's. It's Vine's Complete Expository Dictionary. And here it says, the root of this term is often disputed. Some scholars believe that the Akkadian term ragu may be a cognate. Some scholars derive ra from the Hebrew word ra'ah, which means, and get this, to break, smash, crush, which is a cognate of the Hebrew ratzatz, to smash, to break to pieces. Ratzatz, in turn, is related to the Arabic radah, which means to crush, to bruise. This derivation, which seems to be correct, implies that ra connotes sin in the sense of destructive hurtfulness. But it is not always an appropriate depiction of the ways that raw is used, is utilized throughout the Old Testament. And uh, other, another really respected lexicon said that raw the way it's used in the Old Testament has basically 10 derivations. I'm not going to go through those. We don't need to study evil here. But what I want you to see in regard to this is that God left a tree that has, you know, knowledge or yada, it, it, it has the capacity, or, or that's dot, which is, to, to have walked through something, to, um, to know it because you've become familiar with it. It's a perception, a developed skill, a discernment. And you have Tob, but you have not just a bad thing, not just something that is wicked, 
But you have something that was crushed, broken, bruised, something that is the result of an act intended to destroy, to destruct. I think it's very interesting to view it that way. Why in the world would God allow that to be there in that garden for these two people, other than to test their obedience? Yeah, I know, I've taught that, we've all heard that. But I think it's a much bigger picture. I think it's a sign of what the enemy tried to do. Now, the enemy still tries to do this, not necessarily with trees, but with deposits of the esteme. Um, you remember the story of Philip when he, when he was drawn, directed by the Spirit. He met the Ethiopian eunuch, and then he was down there where uh, Simon who the Bible calls a sorcerer was. And Simon was tapping into the histemes. That's all through that passage. And he was working miracles because of that. Undeniable miracles. To so much so that the people called him the great power of God. He sourced that. And when Philip came and preached Christ, suddenly Simon's ability to do that dried up, and he uh, he wanted to get in to where the getting was good. We see that kind of thing in many places in the Scripture. In fact, the enemy, this is old teaching, but some of you may be hearing this for the first time. Our enemy was permitted to tempt Jesus in the wilderness, and one of the temptations was, He showed him all the nations, all the kingdoms, and the glory, the doxa, which was therein. And he said, I'll give you all of these and the glory that's there if you will proscuneo before me. Jesus didn't do it. He said that it's written that you only do this before the Lord God and him only. And, um, but the enemy loves to abscond with things and to twist it and take it. He does that with people. He takes people's gifts and he perverts them according to their willingness to let this happen. And he takes good people with divinely given gifts and uses them for darkness. So we shouldn't be surprised that the enemy is doing that because you see it possibility here with this tree of the knowledge of Tob and breaking apart and crushing and deliberately uh, destroying. I, I just believe that the enemy is trying to utilize this in our day. And, and the signs are all around us. The signs of raw are all around us, and they are in direct juxtaposition against our walk as those who move in the tree of life. All of those capacities that I listed, it's a very real thing. It's not just a poetic word. Oh, it's a tree of life. It's a tree of life. Yippee! You know, we we kind of dumb down the promises of the Scripture. We'll fight to the end for the inspiration and the inerrancy. But when God says something over and over again, and it's even extrapolated into the book of Revelation, we think, oh, that's just symbolic. Who are we kidding? Who, what, are, are, is it just an attempt to say, oh, I don't want to go any of those deeper things. You're way out there. You're crazy. Listen, in the world we're in, we need to be functioning in every capacity that our Father has given We need to recognize the times. We need to recognize the seasons. So I see a lot of the serpent's mentality and what's been going on. I'll just talk about our nation. We'll let Luke and Sylvie talk about France, and we'll let Pastor Michelle talk about Belgium. We'll let um, Pastor Luciano speak about uh, Brazil. Pastor Falden can speak. We'll just 
we'll just let everybody speak about their own nations. But I can talk about the United States. Over the past couple of years, people have become woke. And they really emulate the tactics of the serpent to Eve in the very next chapter of Genesis to come against the word hath God said and to ridicule it and say, you know what, this is really not accurate, it's deceptive. In fact, dare I say that the people who translated this were all racist, they were all misogynistic, so we just got to toss it out. It was meant to keep some group of people down and another people up. And so the word is inaccurate. They say there are other words that are equal to it or better. And so the serpent comes and immediately begins to ridicule the word and to ridicule the God of the word. And he says, there are other pathways for you. There are other ways you can use your giftings or your perceived giftings. And if you participate in this, look at that tree over there. Now, what the serpent didn't say was that his master, Satan, had really tried to use that tree before and got walloped because of it. But there it stands as a sign to you, but you're too doofus to recognize what really is there. So let's doubt God, let's doubt his word, and let's reach over and use his tobe. Let's crush it. Let's break it apart. Let's, dare I say, have you heard this term? Let's deconstruct it. Let's rip it apart. Let's break it to pieces. Let's throw it down. Let's eliminate it all. And then your eyes will be open. You'll be woke. Your eyes will be open and you'll become as Elohim yourself. You all just be a bunch of little Elohims running around. You can worship whatever you want. Dare I say, you could worship yourself. You could other people worship you. That was Satan's word through the serpent. And it was all about that tree of Tob and to destroy, to break apart, to crush. We see it today. You look at people. How many, how many months now have the good people of Portland been protesting every night? Every night. And if you only watch CNN, we need to lay hands on you. But you're missing out on a lot of entertainment. I mean, those beautiful streets of that lovely city, every night there's some kind of riot, some kind of police uh, protests against the police. Destroy. Destroy. Break it down. Rage against the machine, to borrow Tom Morello. Let's just break it apart. Now, to me... Part of what Tob is, is finding where things are not in alignment that need to be visited by the creative nature of God. And throughout the Old Testament, when we see those who are directed by God to tear down high places, to break apart altars to, that were devoted to Satan, Gideon, the mighty man, his father had uh, an altar to Baal, which was kind of like the community demonic hangout, the community center. Yeah, man, I, it was a safe zone for demons. It was a sanctuary city for the demonic. And Gideon, going after the joy of the Lord, he went and busted that sucker up. He, he did, he, he wrought all over it. And so I think part of us doing the work of God is to, in, in establishing his purpose, has to do with doing away of that which is not good and welcoming that which is. We, we had to do that with our own lives. 
uh, we had to set aside and, and cause to die the flesh. Paul said, I die daily. We had to be lay things down before the Lord. Um, we had to put an end to the things of the past to move on into the new. So there, there's somewhat of a principle there, but if it's not directed by God, and certainly if it's directed against God, then the evil manifestation of raw comes. You know, here in our country, we, uh, we had a, a revolution, and, and here's a newsflash, it was not to preserve slavery. It was taxation without representation. And um, we, we rebelled against Britain. And since then, we've become good friends, separated by common language. But, um, you know, there was a higher goal, a nation, and it wasn't destruction for destruction's sake. It was, it was for good purposes. And, um, but then you see other illustrations of this, and the list is long, but just in our historical memory, you know, when our beloved nation of France rebelled against the monarchy, it was based, that rebellion was based upon things that were in uh, inequities, not iniquities, but inequities, but it was based on humanism. And the crowd became focused on just barbaric behavior. You go through the Place de la Concorde and you is so beautiful now, um, but a guillotine was there, and you had heads being lopped off, and Madame Tussaud going and collecting heads and making uh, wax prints of them, or wax casts of them that would then fill her museums. Uh, you had uh, a, a mount, a small mountain built in the Tuileries, and Robespierre and others proclaiming humanism, the God of France. And what a terrible time that was. What a terrible time that was. You look at the Bolshevik rebellion against the Tsar. Yeah, there were legitimate things that needed to be corrected. But the issue was that those folks were godless. I mean, they were godless. They said that religion is the opium of the people, that the state should be God. And atheistic, there should be no God. They took over all the churches and they, they converted them. We, we were in Moscow and St. Petersburg, and we saw a number of churches that were converted into swimming pools and other, other crazy uh, uh, demonstrations of the rule of the state, and they killed thousands of people, and they arrested the, uh, the czar and his family and kept them in prison and then finally just murdered them. That's raw gone wild. It wasn't based. Yes, there were issues, but it was just destruction. So you, you, you've got to watch for this depiction of raw because it is being manifested in our country and in the world. Destruction for destruction's sake. We don't care that this is the greatest nation in the world. We don't care that it's the envy of every other nation. We want to destroy it all. We want to break it down. We want to crush it. We don't want to follow religion. We don't want to follow a godly uh, path because we just want to hear about how evil that is and how restrictive it is and how, you know, and, and they, they won't call sin, sin. They call it shame. Oh, well, I'm sorry. That, you know, God said, if you do what I do, you won't have shame. But when Adam and Eve rebelled, they were, they knew they were in trouble. <laughs> Reminds me of the story that our friend Ray Hughes told when he was ministering here many years ago. And we do pray for Ray. He's been battling illness. He told about when he was a little boy. He had done something that his mother 
tried to give him a whipping for, and he ran away from her, and he hid under the porch. You know, they had pier and beam porches, and so he hid under there, and she yelled out to him, when your daddy gets home, you're going to get a licking. And so when the father gets home, the mother says, raise out under the porch. And, you know, he did this and he did that. And I told him, when you get home, you were going to give him a whipping. And so he said his father came and crawled under the porch. And Ray said to his dad, what are you doing here? Is mom mad at you too? <laughs> oh, I love that story. You know, it's, it's like the people who say they're sorry for knocking over the Piggly Wiggly. Are they, are they sorry for what they did? Or are they sorry they got caught? What's the issue there? And so you either, you know, you, you have one option when you're in sin. Repent and turn from your wicked ways. Turn from that. And um, in fact, in the Old Testament, the Bible uses a term called shub, S-U-S-H-U-B, which means it's not exactly metanoia, which is the New Testament for repent, which is a 180-degree turn. Sometimes people say a 360-degree turn, and that's kind of goofy because it just means you spin around, you keep going in the way you were going. We don't want that. But shub is to turn from evil, to turn. And that's what you have to do. You don't just come and say, okay, I, I've got evil in my life and you just made me this way. No, he didn't. But you made me this way and so I'm shamed. I don't want to be shamed anymore. You know, God says, come to me. I don't want you to be in shame. There's now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. I love the sinner, but I don't love the sin. This is old-timey fundamental teaching. I'm almost commencing to preach here. But the issue for us is that when we see this, the tactics of Satan being manifested in churches, denying the word, denying the God of the word, speaking to people about how they've misinterpreted what God really means, that their eyes can be open and they can really walk with God and all the trees are available, even this tree of, of uh, tobe and destruction. Um, it's, it's, it's dangerous, but it, but it really is what the enemy wants to do. And um, he's acting right now in this way in our country and dare I say in the world. So what are we to do about it? Well, the first is we need to be aware of it. And when we understand what the meaning of this raw is, then the solution is the tobe. So what do we need to do? We need to insist, we need to, in the spirit realm, take authority over this enemy-driven, ancient as the Garden of Eden and before, uh, destruction and breaking apart. And we need to call it for what it is in the spirit realm. Now, if you go out in the street and say, and it, the, the people aren't, don't cast your pearls before them. They'll be rawing all over you. They'll be hoorahing. And so, but in the spirit realm, the enemy knows this. He just hopes you don't know it. So we need to be declaring the tobe of the Lord. We need to be walking in the midst of this darkness and gross darkness and to allow the light of his tobe to rise upon us. We need to be a people who cherish the word of God, who cherish our fellowship with God, who walk in wisdom, who follow righteousness, who stick with it and embrace hope and not let hope uh, become uh, deferred. But we will hold fast in that deposit of faith in our, in our hearts. We will speak wholesomeness. We will overcome. We will believe for the healing of the nations. We will do his commandments and have the right to the tree of life. We will walk with the angelic 
who keep the way of the trees of life. There are many of them in paradise and in heaven, and we have the privilege to walk with God there and to see what he intends to depict upon this earth. But the solution to Ra, excuse me, is not just voting. The solution to Ra is not jousting with people on the internet. The solution to Ra is not by laying out a, a bunch of bindings for people. The solution to Ra is the Tobe. And you've got to recognize that this is an eternal battle. When you see people that are intent on destruction, regardless of what cause they come in. Now, we don't really know all the story of how the Satan through the serpent came to Eve, but the Bible says he was more subtle. He beguiles. He hides, just like snakes do. I don't like snakes. Sorry for those of you who have them as pets. But, you know, they can get up in rafters. They crawl through different places and they hide. And they take advantage of things. And they, uh, I know that they can be beautiful creatures, but I don't like them. So they'll, they'll come in. The enemy will come in and he'll say, oh, yeah, they're in this, to in this system here. There is an, an inequity here. The solution is not to rip everything apart. The solution is to correct. You know, we had some work done at our house recently. A friend of mine, I'm not going to go into the details. But we had some areas that needed to be uh, corrected. So we didn't come and say, you know what, I'm tired of this. I'm just going to tear the whole house down. We're going to destroy it. I don't even know what those people believe. That was back in the, in the 60s in the South. Boy, they, they probably hated Yankees still by then. Let's just tear it all down. Heavens, no. We're going to correct the thing that's wrong. But you don't correct the thing that's wrong by going out and destroying an entire business district. Any chance you get to, to demonstrate raw, do it. That's just not, that's not godly. It's, it, it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's ridiculous. So you, you get people who are saying things about the Constitution, you, you, re, reconstructing our history, stating things that, not teaching proper history in the schools anymore, brainwashing young people with Marxist ideology, lying about our nation. Yeah, the United States has issues that need to be evolving, and I've seen a lot of wonderful things in my lifetime, thank God, and it's still improving. It's still being done. It's a work in progress. It's a living democracy. But you don't just rip things apart. So we need to follow the tree of life. We need to follow the tobe. We need to be a people who are declaring the tobe of the Lord and taking authority in the spirit realm over this raw influence. Righteousness exalts a nation. We need to be proclaiming righteousness. We need to be declaring the good word of God. And we need to welcome that light of the Tobe. And then we'll see our good works or the good works of God upon us and glorify our Father which is in heaven. So that's our message for today. And as we go in the United States leading up to this election, there's a lot of stuff that's being said. Remember that there's an enemy who wants to stop what God is doing. He detests God. He detests churches. He detests the word of God. And he, he wants to destroy, steal, to kill. You see that? Yeah. You know, I have a, an elderly woman who sits beside me and uh, lives beside us. She, I don't know, she doesn't sit beside me. 
she lives in the property next door to us and she uh she had a a sign for a for one of the candidates for the election presidential election out in her yard and she got so much ridicule for it an 80 mid-80s woman that she had to put it up inside her storm door so that it wouldn't be molested that's that's not right it's just not right you, you don't overcome perceived evil with evil you believe for the tobe of the Lord we're seeing that. We're going to see it more. We better root ourselves in the tobe of God and in his righteousness. And that's what we need to do. So the tobe, the goodness of God, is upon you. Uh, surely goodness and mercy follow you. Let tobe be your signature. And let's keep moving in the purpose of God and partnering with him. And let's believe for the power of the tree of life to be our heritage in this world right now. Father, I bless these dear saints. I proclaim the blood of Jesus over every one of them. And we thank you for protecting us. We thank you for your goodness. I speak healing into those who need it today. There are many who need a, a, a def definitive touch from you. And I, I release that to you now in the name of Jesus. And I speak blessing over all the saints. And we thank you, Father, for this, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. God bless you. And we'll look forward to reaching out again tomorrow for a prayer primer and then this weekend. See you then. Goodbye.